Hi there, Coach Paula here. I know you're getting a lot from Season 1 of Make Him Wonder, and I want you to get even more in Season 2. Go now to the 8020 Wonder Club and become a member. The 8020 Wonder Club is a membership club where you'll get all the new episodes of Season 2 the moment they come out. Otherwise, you're going to miss out. That's the 8020wonder.club. Make this your year to be consistently mindful of what it takes for a relationship to go the distance. Go to the 8020wonder.club and I'll see you in the clubhouse. because I like the way that you break things down. Right, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be where I am now with him if, if it wasn't for you. Sick of sacrificing or settling in your romantic life? Welcome to Make Him Wonder with Coach Paula Grooms, where women struggling in real relationships ask the expert. Unscripted, unfiltered, understandable coaching conversations to help passionate women succeed in love. Hi there, and welcome to Make Him Wonder. I'm your host, Coach Paula, a dating and relationship coach, licensed social worker, and author of the book, Why Won't He Commit? How a Man Decides to Make You the One. My guest today is 39-year-old Lena, who's been in a relationship with 45-year-old Michael for nine years, and the two have a child together. Lena reports that marriage is taboo, quote-unquote, for Michael, but that she is at a crossroads in her life. Lena believes Michael may be in a midlife crisis and wants to know how long she should give him, if he is just stringing her along, and if separation in her case would work or lead to a full disintegration of their relationship. Welcome, Lena. Hi, Paula. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Wow, nine years. Yeah, nine years, and um, it's, I, I can't believe I'm in this uh, situation. You never think that you would be in this situation. And here, here I am. Um, and I, I guess I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately. And uh, I think I broke all the rules. <laughs> um, uh, I, after uh, I read your book, then I, bo- I read some other books, and um, boy, I don't know where it's going to take me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here today for this. I appreciate you coming on and us talking about it because I believe, Lena, that many women find themselves in much of a similar situation as yours. So I want to get the history because that will likely be very interesting. Tell us about even how you met Michael and kind of take us through in the quick version of what your relationship has been like and how you've made it to today. So we met online, uh, you know, uh, exactly nine years ago, actually. Uh, I posted my profile. He was on uh, okay Cupid. I was there, and we met. I was actually with my ex-boyfriend, and he was not going anywhere. That relationship was not going anywhere at all. So I just decided to do some kind of dating. So I went on online, and I met my current partner. Uh, we moved in together uh, quite quickly. Uh, let's say six months after we met and right away we started dating we, we, we were we were traveling already I met his parents so it was it was quite quick progression and it was uh, it was his ideas to move in together I lived alone and uh, he he just said let's get an apartment together so that's what we did um, and we we continued and it, you know it's been pretty good nine years. We get along together. Uh, we started working together. And then after two years of living together, uh, we had a daughter. Um, it wasn't planned. And I always told him, if you get me pregnant, 
you have to marry me. Well, that never happened because um, I I never stood my ground, and I never I'm just those people that don't I don't believe in ultimatums. I believe in uh, you know, free will. You know, I can't say you got to do this or or it's this. So we end up uh, living together, no marriage. Um, having a kid together, no marriage. Um, and I can't say it, it. I mean, he he's a very caring person. He takes care of a lot of things. He's a very hard work, uh, very hard working man. Um, we started working together, and we work really well together. So we're at home raising a child, plus we work together. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of tra- traveling, especially we have families overseas. Uh, so I can't say that the relationship is bad. Uh, and in fact, he never complained about it. And he told me he always loved our relationship. And I kind of put the marriage idea on a back burner. I said, okay, if it's all working out and we are happy, then why, why even bother? We, we don't need it. We don't need to get married. And it's funny because his brother has been uh, perpetually uh, engaged to his partner for almost 20 years. Um, so here we are. And what happened this summer is uh, quite interesting, is that I uh, had to go visit my family. And uh, I took my daughter with me. And I did this uh, every summer I go visit my family. And I take my child and I leave my partner alone. And uh, I always trusted him. I never had any, um, you know, thoughts of, of him cheating, of any kind of fidelity. Yes, I mean, I felt jealousy here and there with his, you know, he's got some friends who are girls. I mean. But uh, his number one priority was always his work. He works crazy hours, uh, but he's always been so tentative and so caring. I never thought in my mind that I would have to even think about of uh, leaving him and coming back to, you know, which exactly what happened this summer. So I left uh, for three weeks, and then when I came back. Everything was back to normal. We were so happy to see each other. We would talk on the phone every day. We always communicate with one another. Um, so I come back, and then three, in three weeks uh, after I'm here, I see some kind of a change in him. And I bring that up. I said, what's going on? It's written all over your face. And then he tells me that while I was gone, he met this person uh, just for a very short time, one time, one time. And all of a sudden, he's, uh, he has this feeling. He doesn't know what it is. He's, he's uh, I mean, it's just very strange. And, of course, I start to panic because uh, this is a man telling, you know, telling me that he's, he could be developing or something he doesn't even know what it is for some other woman. So I, um, I tell them he needs to figure it out. You know, I, I straight up, I, I tell him that. And uh, we were, for one week, I lived with it. I let him go uh, to, I don't want to say a date, but I was like, okay, listen, you need to go figure this out, how you feel, go. So he went, you know, he made a choice, and he went, and he, I guess, I don't know what they did, you know, they, they met up for a drink or whatever, I don't know, what after work. So he comes home, and, uh, oh, we're in the same wavelength. Um, you know, she's, so she's uh, something. There's something there. There's something there. There's like, uh, he, as you said, there's something poking in my ribs. So I said, you know what? I don't think I could live with this, with you exploring this situation. 
you know, I can't be uh, waiting for you at home while I don't, you know, it used to be that you come home for after work to me, but now I don't know what you're doing. So basically I told him uh, he needs to go and live somewhere else. I'm not kicking him out, but I'm letting him figure this thing out without me. Because it's too much for me. I'm way too sensitive. Uh, and it, it, it made me feel much easier when he left. Uh, at the same time, we still have a child to raise. So he is here on the weekends. And then I work for him. So I see him during the weekday for two, three days a week. I come in there and I do my work. We work together. Uh, we keep it very professional. There's nothing, you know, we don't t- even talk about anything. We just talk about work. Uh, so it's been like this for three months. And basically, you know, he's having almost a double life. On the weekdays, he's in the city working. I mean, whatever he's doing, I don't ask him. I don't ask him. And then on the weekends, he comes here and he's being a father. He's being, a, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of even hard to, I don't even know what this is. So at this point, it's like this strange situation where, uh, you know, I feel like there's, um, I'm keeping myself, dis- you know, there's distance between us, definitely, because we're not 100% committed to each other. Basically, we're like separated. And I just don't know how long I could do this. Um, he asked me to wait for him. And this happened about uh, a month ago. He specifically asked me, wait for me, give me time, I'm going to end this. I, um, I don't want to leave. I'm not going anywhere. This is a thing that I have to do for myself to figure this out. So, uh, you know, is the midlife crisis? Maybe. Has he overworked? Perhaps. He's, he's quite a workaholic, really. Um, but is it really all those excuses that I should be giving to him? I mean, I basically gave him a permission to go on and explore what he needed. And, uh, Paula, I was, I was in deep pain. I was really doing horrible for about three weeks. When he left, I felt really... Relieved, relieved that he left, that I didn't have to share the space with him because I was in pain and I was so angry. Um, now I'm feeling much better, and I've been doing a lot of work on myself. But it's this very strange situation right now because he still cares. He's still doing all those things for me and my daughter, but yet he's not knocking on the door. He says, oh, I want to come back. Take me back. So how long is this going to take? You know, e- even, I, I don't know. I'm, that's why I'm on this crossroads of uh, should I just go on and leave it as is? And when he's ready, he's ready. And Or do I, I mean, <laughs> Another uh, thing is, we before this whole thing happened, back in spring, we bought an apartment. So we've been renovating. So this has been our project. And we are going to move at this apartment in two weeks. And, and the way that he's talking about it is that, oh, it's going to be our place. We're finally, you know, we're going to have Christmas there. We're going to have New Year's there. So he's thinking about this as we're all together, happy family, like nothing is happening. I understand how difficult this must be. And I'm really sorry that um, this is, it's come to this for you. But I have to tell you, it is a great time for you to actually, mm, in some ways, um, I'm going to think of the right word foster a real change and to get what it is that you 
desire and what you deserve. It truly is. And that may sound strange, but when you are at a crossroads with a man, it is the time to do something whereby he will actually seriously take notice and seriously do something. Are you ready to actually, um, as I said, foster something and see where this goes? Because I have a very good feeling about it if you do it in the fashion that I'm going to suggest. Yeah, I, yeah. So I'm going to ask you a number of questions. And I'm going to outline as well for the listeners whereby things, as you already know, because you've lived it, that in hindsight, had they been different, things might be different. And I'm going to do that in a moment. I trust you're enjoying Make Him Wonder and that you're getting a lot of helpful information for the love life you desire and deserve. So if you're not part of the 8020 Wonder Club, you need to be. The 8020 Wonder Club is a Make Him Wonder membership that gives you all of season one in a categorized list by age and relationship status, my foundational principles in video, and a multimedia library of my content, including my book, relationship evals, and much more. The best part is that you'll have access to all episodes of season two the moment they're ready. Otherwise, you'll only be getting season two on your listening platform once every eight weeks or so. Don't miss out. Join the 8020 Wonder Club by going to the 8020wonder.club. That's the 8020wonder.club. Be consistently and successfully mindful of the best ways to make your man wonder by becoming a member of the 8020 Wonder Club. It's just 80 cents for the first month. That's the 8020wonder.club. And I'll see you in the clubhouse. So we're back with 39-year-old Lena, who has been in a live-in relationship with 45-year-old Michael for really all, uh, nine years, uh, because the two moved in together about six months after meeting online. And I assume, uh, Lena, that you have like a seven-year-old? Yes. Okay. So there's a child involved here, and that always makes things a little more difficult, but all the more important. Is it a daughter or son? It's a, she's my daughter. Okay. So what we want to do is actually have her father with her and also model for her what is really going to be helpful for her with men in her adult life. Would you agree? Oh, yes, definitely. And she's very much attached to him. And, you know, he loves her too. So, um, yeah, I think that's crucial crucial for a little girl uh, to see that, to see the relationship between the two parents and to have a father figure, um, I think it's very important. I agree. A few things you stated that I think are, are really significant. And what I mean by that is for the listeners to understand, I hear the word a lot about ultimatum. I don't want to give a man an ultimatum. And what is an ultimatum? When we look at it, an ultimatum is a black and white, either this or that. And we, as women, are extremely reticent to put something in a black and white term and make a black and white either or situation with any man for a couple of reasons. The first is our brains and our femaleness, we don't work like that. In other words, we feel we don't want to make a man do anything. We want him to want to do something. It's really antithetical 
to us in all ways to say to a man, this is what it is, or it's not. Unfortunately, the male brain works in that fashion and works exceedingly well in that fashion. And if we reframe the, the feelings, the term, all of it, in terms of the word ultimatum, into standing in our value, knowing what is right for us, and what will be right for the man as well, we can get a little farther in our, our place in a man's life, and having a relationship that not only fills us and our needs, but ultimately fills his as well. So I want to frame this in terms of likely, you said, Lena, you read my book. So you know that I work under a foundational principle of Someone uh, that I came across, uh, Bob Grant, he's a licensed therapist, who when I read this, it was just the top was blown off of my head about how men bond in only one way, which is through making a formal commitment. And while living together can appear to be a formal commitment, it's actually not in the male brain. Otherwise, living together would work to a much greater degree than it does. And I put it under a context that I believe women can relate to, which is the puppy principle. For us to understand the difference between loving something wanting to be with it all the time, loving on it, um, even taking a modicum of responsibility to and for it, but the difference between actually pulling the trigger and adopting a puppy. They're actually two fairly different things because when you don't adopt, you feel you have an out. No matter what, if you haven't publicly stated to others and actually done what it takes to adopt a puppy, you feel like you have that out to maybe take it back to the shelter or give it away or whatever. But do you know what I'm alluding to? Do you, do you get the concept, Lena? Yes, yes, Paula. Um... I read your book, the first book that I, when I was feeling really bad, I got that book and I completely, finally, I, I started to understand. <laughs> finally. It just took me nine years <laughs> to, but I, 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 I understand how important it is now. And that's, right. that's what I would want now. Yeah. Yes. And it really is that black and white for men because they can love us in the same way we generally, whether it's kittens or babies or puppies or whatever it is for you, that we can love what we love. Because when we love, say, puppies, which I think is a almost a universal, that we do love them all and there's something about each and every one of them that we can love. So the biggest drooling mastiff to the smallest, teeniest, tiniest chihuahua, there is something endearing, wonderful, cute, inviting, alluring about each and every one of them. And if we get a chance to pet them, love on them, whatever, we will. But it takes a very certain state, mindfulness, and making a decision to actually adopt one. And then living up to the decision and the formal public 
um, stance that we did this. So, for example, when you think about it, if you've adopted a pet, it takes a lot to tell your friends, family, uh, deal with it when you have to say, well, you know, I made a mistake. I'm giving it back. I'm taking it to a shelter or I'm giving it away or whatever. Now, mind you, this is an analogy and people are very different than pets, but it's the feeling. It doesn't make us feel good at all to renege on something that we committed to in that way. It just doesn't. And we want to take this to a, a, a like a height or a bigger uh, a greater feeling about it in that men are extremely driven in our society by the perception of them being male. And foundationally, good men all feel that they live by their word. That's what makes a man a good man, because remember, men relate via their decisions. Women relate via their emotions. And what to a man makes him not a woman? Well, dealing by his decisions rather than his emotions. And what has happened here, Lena, is that because he has not formally committed and we could say, well, my God, it's been nine years and he has a child. What more commitment could that be? He did not make the decision. And this is what is allowing him to say, well, I can be with this other woman. I'm not married. Now, you may think, well, that's just doesn't really compute with us. But. Actually, if you really wrap your mind around it, all of these principles in the black and white mind of males, you will get why. Now we go a little bit further and a little bit deeper, which is what you're doing with him now will not work. In the short run, it won't at all. And here's the long run picture. Let's take a look at um, the future a little bit. So say it does work. And what's going to happen is through time, this woman that he is with, if he's at all honest with her in any way, shape or form, she's going to want more. And she's not going to want his one foot in, one foot out. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I would assume that would be natural progression of things. Right. And then when that occurs, when the bloom is off the rose with this, in whatever way this is, this could simply be a sexual thing. It could be more. We don't know because we really can't go on what he is saying because he wants to please both. And he doesn't want to be a bad guy to either because he sounds like he's a decent man. Yeah. So when this occurs, he's suddenly going to have kind of like a wake up. And it's going to be, oh, my gosh, she's now pulling this stuff on me. And she said she wasn't going to want more. And she just wanted sex. And and now this is happening and it's causing me problems. And I'm losing my daughter and my, you know, financially it's going to hurt me. And on and on and on. And then it'll come back in a full way and say she's out of my life. I cut it off. What would you do then? If he came home tomorrow and said that, what would you do? Well, um, part of me wants to say, well, um, 
I'll have to think about it. I have to think about if I want you back after you hurt me so much. But I would also be happy that he has made a decision of coming to come back. Uh, because the way that he tells me, the way uh, that he just wants, he wants his back to be normal as it used to be. But uh, of course, I understand that it could never be the same as it used to be. This has been a huge change, uh, at least for me, you know. But he just wants to go back to the normal uh, living as as it used to be for a whole nine years. And Lena, here's what he knows from the nine years he's been with you, that that's exactly what will happen. He absolutely knows that. Now, doesn't mean he doesn't love you for it. He does. But he's not inspired by it. It's not going to make him do anything. It's actually going to make him do less. And what I mean by that, yeah, when you say yeah, what do you what do you think I mean by that? Well, I agree with you. I think that he is uh, he knows me well enough that I'm patient and I wait for him, and I'm too nice. I think that uh, my level of difficulties is very low because I always gave in. You know, I, I forgive, I wait, I'm the good, uh, whatever, girlfriend, you want to say, you know. And I agree with you. There is no inspiration for him to, uh, he just thinks that I'm just going to take it back um, as, as, it, as it was. I feel it. I just feel it. Yes. I think you're absolutely right. And... The beauty is that you know this intellectually. That's the good thing. You're already ahead of the game because you know it intellectually. That's great. The devil is in the details of the doing. Because it's going to go against really, in some ways, every fiber of your being. You are lovely. You are... So, like you said, you're saying too nice, and you've probably heard me say so many times here and on YouTube, wherever, on my lives, Instagram. We lose otherwise great men and good relationships with three little words. One is a contraction. We are too nice. Men are not inspired by nice. All we have to do is think sports. Men want to play at their level and they don't want the other player to be nice to them and let them off the hook for not playing well. They want to strive to play well and win the respect of the opposing team or the opposing player. Study, I don't know when it was done, but it to me rings so true. And they did it with, I think, I mean, thousands and thousands of men and women. And they asked, what was the one thing above all you want from your opposite sex partner? Women over and above all, one thing, one thing. And that one thing was to be desired. Men, over and above all, to be respected. Very different things. And it's kind of like thinking about a boy, a boy of 10, 12, or many times throughout life with his parents. What does he want? He wants to win the approval 
of the parents. I mean, girls do too. But what I'm saying is that that approval is ultimately respect. And so how a parent can parent without being heavy handed is just show their disapproval of something rather than be heavy handed and you must do this or you must do that. No, you make your own choice. But if you make the wrong choice, you're going to see how disappointed and disapproving I am. That goes so far. It goes much farther with boys than it does girls, I believe. Because of that fundamental thing in the male brain. To be respected. Respected for his decisions. You have not shown him the disapproval. You've shown him being hurt. And disappointed, yes. But no disapproval. He has really gotten a great deal. He has his family. He has his cake and he's eating it too. He gets to go off and get a reprieve from a committed relationship and have a another sexual partner. And I assume that he's treating you pretty darn well right now. Oh, yes. He's doing all the best. We just celebrated my birthday, and he's, he's, he's you know, he was the number one to please, definitely. Um, the one thing that he pointed out is that the reason why it's hard for him to end this other thing is that it's uh, more than just sex. It's, it's more than sexual. There are feelings involved. Okay. And I, I haven't been being intimate with him. I cut that completely out because I just don't feel comfortable. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, but in, the, in the other sense, he is definitely trying to please in every sense, you know, um, taking care of me. Yeah. One of the main reasons he's trying to please is so there is no um, drama, chaos, um, decent uh, feelings, no arguments, nothing. And here's what I'm hearing. And this goes back to, again, you're being too nice. Why would he, at this juncture, change anything until he may be good and ready? Why would he? Yeah. He's got a great, great situation right now. He doesn't much mind at all that he's not having sex with you. He's getting his needs filled elsewhere. It's, that's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. It You've given him no bar to jump over and achieve. It's not going to, it's, it's, it's not going to, um, you know, you're just showing him more of the same. You said, I look back over the nine years and I realized I did some things that really didn't serve me that well. And you're continuing it. Yeah. Well, I'm also um, afraid of, because I was so hurt, that first initial shock, it was so hurtful. It was like I was hit by a train mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm afraid of almost having this conversation. I know that we have to have a conversation at some point, okay? Um, but I'm afraid of feeling that pain again. Is he going to tell me that it's not over? Is he going to, what is he going to tell me that's going to hurt me again? You know, and it's just, so we, we just don't talk about it. We just mm -hmm. go on like it's, um, like, it's, like it's not happening almost. It's always there. It's always in the back of our both minds, and I could feel it because the tension between uh, between us. We could be together. We could do in our thing, you know, family time, or even, you know, he took me on a date for my birthday. Uh, but it's there. The tension is there. But not both of us are both uh, not opening our mouth about the next step. And part of me really. Uh, 
I think if it wasn't for my daughter, I would just cut it off right away. I done, I done it before my previous relationships. I just cut it off. I said, you know what? Goodbye. But I feel like there's so much, in, so much investment, you know, um, in, into this nine years, uh, you know, obviously there's a child, there's work, there's this department, there's all of those things that would build up together. Um, so I can't just cut it off uh, that easily, you know. So, but at the same time, nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. So this is what I work with with women in my program, Lure Him In. Because it is this fear that must be dealt with. And there are a number of ways to deal with it. My program is one way. Counseling. Therapy. um, People call it all manner of things. Inner work. um, Some kind of religious... uh, revelation, what have you. I deal with this in a way that is behavioral despite um, the, the fear. It's stepping into faith and with the understanding that two things. One, I'm very, very honest with women no matter what in that if I don't feel it can go the distance, I state it up front. And I'm hearing with you, if you change the behavior and you step into faith rather than fear, you have a very, very good chance. I mean a really good chance. But the way you're doing it, I can tell you, you do not. So women want, you know, like a... A percentage or the odds so to speak and what I can tell you here is pretty much just what I said that if you do what needs to be done week to week knowing through the guidance of what has the best chance of working because men are really formulaic you read books, you read my book, and you said, this this changed things for me. I finally got it. And the reason you did is not that I had some something so incredibly different. It's the way I gave it to you and give it in the book that you finally got it to a degree that the truth of it came out of you. I didn't put the truth in you. The truth is already in you. It's just that I said it in a way that allowed it to come forward at a time in your life whereby you were ready to receive it. This is not, um, it's not easy. If you do it on your own, I can tell you that Every woman who attempts to do it on their own, there is nothing harder. Unless, you know, you're not intrinsically, your essence is not yours. So in other words, if you were a real, uh, like you think about the stereotypical ball-busting, bitchy woman, so to speak. And I hate that term, but people seem to can get what that means. I mean, she's calling the shots. He should step up and do absolutely everything right. And there is no nonsense. That's not you. Intrinsically, that's going against the grain of who you are. He loves you for who you are. There is not one shadow of a doubt in my mind. And I bet you know it, too. You know that he deeply loves you, correct? Yeah, I do believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. This isn't just about your child. In other words, 
if he didn't have the feelings he has for you, he would be out the door and just be with your child. He's absolutely torn. And what's happening is you are not guiding him in the way he needs to be guided. That's my mechanics of men. You've heard me talk about that, correct? Yes. And I, I actually, you, you said it so right because he even told me that he's so lost. He's lost. Um, and, you know, it could be also, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's 100% it's it work. He's just, he, his work was always been his number one, okay? But now that there's this pressure between this, you know, you, uh, me and him and this situation that he said that his mind is just, he doesn't know how to go about this. Um, so in terms of me guiding him, I'm not doing that because I'm, I still feel so much anger towards him. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of, I want I'm expecting him to step up, right? Right. But yet he doesn't know he, he doesn't know how to. Mhm. And you aren't guiding him. You're not using the GPS system, the groom positioning system. That's my program that goes along with the lower concept and how we do it because it's so simple. We're not imputing men at all. We're not saying they don't have abilities. They have unbelievable abilities. And the mechanics of men is so simple when we do it the right way. And when we think about it, with real cars, if the man doesn't guide us and actually work on the car, it's not going to run. If left up to us, to know what to do, know how to do it, know when to do what, a lot, I mean, thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of cars would be left on the side of the road if men just said, oh, no, it's up to you women now. Forget it. We have no real interest. We don't want to know. We don't care to. Our our knowledge, our power, our everything lies in the relationship realm. Now, don't write in, don't say, oh my gosh, uh, Paul is an anti-feminist. No, if you're one of those women and you you could be a car mechanic, all the more power to you. But I'm speaking in generalities, it doesn't work. And you are not being the mechanic of this relationship. And therefore, yes, he's lost. Absolutely lost and feeling very bad about this situation. He actually does. And he's getting a salve for the feeling bad with the other woman. Now, here's what I can tell you. That if you let this go through time and you do nothing, you, I think, in the end, could win out. And here's the problem with that. You will feel like the booby prize. You will feel like he just took the path of least resistance so that he could be around his daughter. You'll never be sure that you were chosen over the other. Because through time, it will just be like, okay, it will morph into... And slowly but surely, he will seep back into your life because it's convenient, because there's too much to deal with, with the property and the business and your child. And then how are you going to feel? You might have him, but what's that going to be like? Right. Well, um, uh, I, when I bring the marriage up, you know, we had a couple of conversations during this period of this turmoil and um there was one time where my patience ran out and i just exploded all of all of the i was just all those things i was holding in 
And I told him, you know what? I do want to get married. I'm sick and tired of being a girlfriend. And his usual thing, of course, oh, he's so scared. (laughs) She's so scared of the marriage conversation, you know. And his number one line with, I mean, this is like a classic, that I don't need papers to tell me how I feel. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just, you know, and, um, yeah, and, yeah, you're, you're right. I don't want to be the second choice of easy, oh, here, you know, she's there waiting for me. She'll get, you know, she'll, she'll take me in at any moment. You're right. It, it feels crummy. Here's the problem. You aren't guiding him to the feelings. You're trying to uh, verbalize with him. Women relate via verbalization. Men relate via action. None of what you said means anything. If we could relate to them via verbalization and it worked, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in business because women can verbalize very, very well what's going on, what they're feeling. They know even what the man is dealing with, all of it. It doesn't work. And if you continue to do that, you will just get more of the same, unfortunately. This takes a lot of mindfulness, a lot of work. The work is on ourselves, and here's what I mean by that. You say you're angry at him. I'm going to tell you the real truth. You're angry at you for not knowing. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks. Because... What we don't know, we don't know. And the anger at yourself is misplaced, but the anger at him is also misplaced. We teach people how to treat us in relationships. And you didn't know. You likely weren't modeled the right uh, way to do it. Most all of us aren't. And it's very hard because, as I said, you are the loving, giving woman and you believed what society tells us, which is when the man is ready, he'll step up and you'll get married and you'll live happily ever after. What a crock. Doesn't work like that. There are cases whereby it seems to have worked like that. But here's what's really happening. On the back end, the woman inspired the man to do it, and he knew he needed to or he would lose out. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Black and white. On or off, stop or go, yes or no, male and female. It's just how it works. And you're going to need to do a lot of work in a very systematic fashion. I give you the way to say it, how to start implementing it, what you do. And it's really, when you think about it, it's what in a way we could call like a parallel process. Because see, you're upset at him not making a decision that you're also not making one. Yeah, I'm also, we're both waiting for something. And mm-hmm. both of us are not, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, doesn't work. Because again, you are, I liken this to, you're in the middle of the Arizona desert. You're both in a car and you've broken down. You have no water and you have no cell service. You're on the side of the road, just the two of you. And a car may not be coming along for two days. And you're looking at him. He's looking at you. And if you couldn't have the faith in him to fix it, you're really up a creek. He's actually wanting you to fix it, and we don't want it to be the other woman to fix it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, that makes sense. But uh, why does uh, why is it so hard for him to make up his mind? I told him, you want to uh, go be with her? Uh-huh. 
Why is it so hard for you to do what you need to do to actually fix it? You, you identified it. Fear, loss, grief, pain, heartbreak. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't be saying to you on that desert road, will you fix it, Lena? I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. You fix it. Yeah, you have to look to him as the man because generally speaking, he's going to be the one to get you out of there. You might have to help him a little bit. Here, hold this while I jack up the car. Help me jack up the car. Yeah, so I can get under it, figure out what's going on. But he's going to be the one. You have to be the one here. And you have to do it in a fashion that we know works. It works like a charm if there's any hope. If not, you're going to go more time. And eventually, yes, you might be chosen. Maybe. And then you're going to feel just not very good about it. Because you won't know whether it's just, okay, it's um, kind of like... He just fell into it because it was just too difficult to keep going with the other woman. But his heart's there or whatever. You don't want any question. You want no question that it's you. And that's what women in the Lord program find out. But you have to face the fear of finding out. And it's not like he's not going to be a father to your daughter regardless. He will be. And I totally believe if you did it the right way, he will step up and he will do this. And this is your, as I said from the beginning, this is your time and this is your shot. This is an opportunity knocking. I mean, huge. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Oh, yes, definitely. That's why you went on that trip. This is why this woman came in. And you have to step into the faith. Faith and fear are exactly the same. You have to believe in something that you know. And you have to set about doing what it takes. Yeah. That's what I work with each week with women in the Lord program. And they're usually astonished at how the man steps up and it can happen so quickly because both of you are in indecision and that is like him standing there in indecision on the side of the road and handing the fixing of the car over to you that would be a little crazy correct Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know how to do it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So he wouldn't hand it over to you, but you, for some reason, are handing it over to him. Can't do it. It's just what it takes. It is not fun, but you can continue to live in this state or you can decide, I'm going to attempt to fix it because this is my best shot. And the longer this goes on with the other woman, as I said, one of two things will happen. Either she will fix it, which we don't want. And I don't have a lot of faith in that. What I have more in is that he's just going to stay in indecision, stay in indecision, stay in indecision. And then she will leave and you'll be the, okay, because he's been left. Okay, I'm back. And is that what you want? I don't want to be a second choice. And I'm also getting sick and tired of being in this limbo. That's what Good. it feels like. Good, I'm glad. Because you got to get sick and tired. You got to get sick and tired enough. And I would think that three months or however long you've been doing this is enough. Yeah, three months. Yeah. Nothing's changed in three months. And you're continuing to do the same thing. 
He even let him take you out on your birthday. I'm too nice. I mean, this is the thing that I finally came. Uh, I'm 40. I turned 40 years old, and I realized, boy, am I so nice in my relationship. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing I can laugh about it, but it, it takes that long to realize. And you know what? you have and it's it takes however long it takes you know because intrinsically you are that good lovely person but if you know it and when you know it that's the time to do something about it so yeah so you and I can talk about that going forward but I thank you for doing this today thank you Paula thank you so much for your time absolutely I hope it was helpful Yes, I think it really opened up my my eyes <laughs> even wider on this situation. Yeah. That's great. Great. And I, I whatever happens, you know, hopefully we will catch up here and we will be hearing uh, the good news because if you set your mind on that and that you are going to change it, I know you absolutely have a of such a good shot at this and you have the power to do it. Thank you. Now the work begins. Yes, it takes a lot of mindfulness weekly work to do the things and stay on track for what works with men in these types of situations. But I know that by stepping in faith, following the system, doing things the way that it takes to get back on track, on the road, and the relationship car running right, Nina's on her way to do it. If you need help in a situation like this with any relationship that is off track, but especially when there's a third party, when there's been cheating or anything like we talked about today, it's going to take serious transformation in how you relate, how you feel about yourself. So many details that, of course, this is a podcast. We cannot go into all that work here. It's weekly work. And week by week, we set the task, the intention, what to do, how to do it, and that's where you get results. You may want to listen to Season 2, Episode 1 with Alejandra, whereby she was able to do that in a short time and got the engagement she desired and deserved. Now, mind you, this wasn't after nine years but it doesn't matter the amount of time. We, as women, put things in the realm of time. And time matters to us and is even in our uh, realm of thinking in a way that it is not with men at all. That's another thing that we work on. So if you are there, you need my help reach out to Michelle at coachpaulagrooms.com. All you have to do is email her and say, Michelle, I heard this powerful episode. I want to do the work. I'm ready to do the work. How do I talk to Paula? We can be getting you on the right road and the right path with your Mr. Right. Because when someone puts in the work... It works just like we were talking about the mechanics of men and that car. When the man works on it, he gets it up and running. The right parts, the right amount of work, it works. It can with you. So I hope to be hearing from you, talking to you soon, and getting you on the right road. If you are ready, you're ready to step out of fear, into faith, and into transformational work behaviorally and the beauty is that you transform inside yourself and it is just 
an amazing feeling when you get the success you desire and deserve. In the meantime, don't forget, any man in your life, you have to be making him wonder.